Our second scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Exodus, chapter 17, verses 1 through 7. If you are home, I hope you'll pull out your Bible and follow along as I read these ancient words of scripture. From the wilderness of Sinai, the people journeyed by stages as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. The people quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water and the people complained against Moses and said, why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, what shall I do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, go on ahead of the people and take some of the leaders with you. Take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will be standing there in front of you on the rock of Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it and the people will drink. Moses did so in the sight of the leaders. He called the place Massah and Meribah because the people had quarreled and tested the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you, O God, our rock and redeemer. Amen. This morning's lectionary passage continues the study of the book of Exodus, the wilderness journey of Moses and the people following him. And it seems that today Moses has reached a breaking point, a point where he doesn't even know what to do. The people are not only grumbling and murmuring, they are miserable and they are tired of their present circumstances. And they are also arrogant and stubborn. They are blaming Moses for everything. To place this in context, I first want to share with you a little bit how we got to this point in these 40 years in the wilderness. The storytellers, the oral tellers of this, the book of Exodus, who eventually wrote the stories down once they landed in the promised land, they painted a realistic picture. There was indeed a grumbling and discontent, rebelling against Moses at times. There were times when they lost their faith. This nomadic journey was not portrayed as an ideal, idealistic one, but it was one of what it meant to follow Yahweh and Moses into the unknown. According to Old Testament scholar Bernard Anderson, the people were not yet a community. They lacked the consciousness of identity, a commitment to follow a common way of life, a shared history beyond being enslaved in Egypt and deciding to follow Moses. But during their time in the wilderness, they became a community. They became Yahweh's people, a community forged together with common experiences that were good, bad, heart-wrenching, and grace-filled. 
This is where the covenant of love and trust between God and God's people was formed. And these experiences bonded them together as one. I wonder if you have felt like you've been on a journey in the wilderness these past six months. A path uncharted where you've had to shift and adjust what once was so normal. Whether it began with the shelter in place in March that led to isolation and fear, or the need to work from home and also take care of children all in the same space, summer and now into fall, or the need to keep going to work, but struggling with when you came home, how did you keep people safe in your home and not bring in the virus? Maybe you have received news that you are sick and need medical treatment or surgery. And every time you think about having to go see a doctor or have a procedure, there is COVID looming in the back of your mind each time you go out. And then of course there are those of us who have lost their jobs. And that is a wilderness of its own, figuring out how to make ends meet. And then there are the other stories bubbling up around us racial climate that has heightened and intensified and we are yet again hurting one another based on the color of skin. Or the stories of violence and political rants lashing out between friends and neighbors as the election of the next president draws near. It is all just too much. And as is human nature, we grumble, we pout, we throw proverbial stones, things we probably would not do if we weren't in this uncertain wilderness that seems to have no end. Stress, grief, anger, loss of normal can make us say and do crazy things. And I believe that's where we find the followers of Moses today in this passage from Exodus. They are saying, enough is enough. Theologian Walter Brueggemann writes this, the people grumble against Moses and God. They are stubborn and arrogant, forgetting the misery from which they have come. They want evidence of the presence of God who is supposed to be saving them. They want action. They need a sign. They are demanding it. It's shocking that they are willing to test God. But they're tired. They're tired of being patient and faithful. And even Moses seems to be having his own breaking point because they see him as incompetent, ineffective, and leading them to death. He responds to them, why blame me yet again, again and again when things go wrong? It's all Moses' fault. Moses tells them finally, take it up with Yahweh. But Moses is the one who has to go and talk to Yahweh. And so he goes yet again to argue, to cry out, to beg. But this time he doesn't ask for the help for the people who are thirsty. This time he begs for protection from the people. Maybe just maybe Moses has hit his own breaking point. Maybe he is now testing God. For Moses, enough is enough. Even leaders who have been doing their best to dig deep and have faith grow tired. All leaders have their breaking points. 
places where the deep well of faith runs dry amidst the wilderness. We have all had moments when we feel the waves of being at wit's end. Exhausted physically and emotionally, burned out on platitudes, theories, digging deep to sustain ourselves, tired of being tough because when the going gets tough, the tough get going. Are you tired of getting up each morning and facing the day, whatever that day looks like for you? Is it staring at the same four walls of your one-bedroom apartment or your home that is now also an office and a school and the place where everyone gathers? A place that you once found comforting. Now it is the constant backdrop of your own personal Groundhog Day. You wake up to certainty and uncertainty of what this day will bring. Routine is no longer a noun that conjures up peace and comfort. We are six months into this. Most likely the shock and awe has worn off. Courage and strength might be fading. Like the people of Moses' time, some of us are still mourning what our old normal used to be. A life that was productive and wonderful and life-giving with new jobs and babies and milestones of graduations and summer plans. All hijacked, canceled, changed into some virtual version of how we're supposed to be together. So some of us are still mourning that, but some of us have now gone back to reminiscing. Like the people in the wilderness who wish they were back in Egypt because at least then they knew what to expect. Where are you today? Are you weary and tired? Are you now reminiscing, wishing for the old normal? I am honest to say to you, I do wish for the past. Wish for something that feels familiar and easy and doesn't include a checklist of washing my hands, wearing a mask, standing six feet apart, asking questions of others, Seeing and watching someone sneeze or cough or having someone tell me they feel a chill coming on and wondering what that means. We are in a wilderness time and we need a sign. I sometimes wonder, is God disappointed in me for wavering in my faith? Is God disappointed in us when we complain or we grumble? Brueggemann wrote these powerful words about what the message and theme of Exodus really is centered on. At the center of this story in Exodus 17, it's about the faithful, powerful intervention of God. It is a witness of faith that places God, attentiveness, and fidelity at the center of the drama. All human drama includes hunger to fullness thirst to water, blindness to sight, leprosy to cleanness, poverty to well-being, death to life. It is God who is faithful when we lose our faith. And God gets it that we as humans need signs. Signs to remind us of who we are and whose we are, and that God is faithful, powerful, and attentive. 
and that it is okay to seek signs in the hardships of life. God knows. God created us. Seeking these signs and finding them recalibrates our center. When we run out of faith or assurance of what is to come, sometimes we're actually more open to see the signs from God. Symbolic thirsting, like the physical thirsting of the people of Exodus, calls us to look for a miracle, maybe beyond science and reason. And God does answer in God's own way. Just like God provided for Moses to take his staff and break the rock so that water would come forth. The author of Searching for Sunday, Rachel Held Evans, wrote this. Listen really carefully to this. There are so many new things to see, so many gifts to give and receive, so many miracles to baffle and amaze, if only we pay attention, if only we let the Spirit surprise and God catch our breath. Are you able to open your eyes and receive the gifts in front of you? Are you able to be baffled or amazed by miracles? Will you let the Spirit surprise and God catch your breath? My pop, who I love to talk about in my sermons, turns 90, turns 90 this May. And we were unable to travel to New Orleans and to celebrate him. But in these long months of physical separation, we've intentionally called him every week to check in to see how he's doing and to share how we are doing. This is a man who grew up in the Great Depression. His family lost their dairy farm, the Carnahan Dairy, that was the main local source of milk to residents in New Orleans. As a youth, he supported the efforts of World War II, lived in the Deep South during the Civil Rights Movement. He can tell you exactly where he was on the day of 9-11. And of course, he refused to leave his home during Hurricane Katrina. Later, he downsized and readjusted during the Great Recession. And now, now he is experiencing the pandemic with COVID-19. On the phone with my daughters this summer, he said to them, guess what? I've never experienced a pandemic before. You and I are making history together. And all I know is that as a part of history, I have to learn something from this. 90 years old. His words to their young ears, I have something to learn from this. What are you learning from this moment in time? How can you open your eyes and see the signs that God is with us? We as a faith community have also been on a journey that's not just about COVID, but we've been on a journey of saying goodbye to who we were under the 18 years of leadership under Sid Batts. And we have had two years of changing and growing, some of us doing it kicking and screaming. But now we are on the precipice of new leadership, new vision, a path that will be forged that will not look like what used to be the old normal. And that's exciting. And a little anxiety producing all the same. Like the people who followed Moses into the wilderness, we are now trying to seek again, what is our identity? 
Post-COVID-19, who are we as Christians and spiritual leaders here in Greensboro and in our presbytery? Just like those who followed Moses, when they get to the promised land, they finally forged consensus by the experiences they've shared, how they've seen the hand of God with them. Fresh visionary eyes that no longer think about Egypt, no longer feel lost in the wilderness, but have a common identity and covenant with Yahweh. We're there too. They cross over a symbolic bridge into the promised land and they become the Israelites, God's chosen people. Theologian Diana Butler Bass wrote this about the future of Christianity. People today assume they know what Christians believe and they, what they want to know about how Christians understand in the face of modern science and technology. But people are no longer looking for information. People are trying to figure out how we can have a religious identity as a culture. People today want testimony. They want to know what is your experience of being a person of faith. Out of what looks like decline in mainline denominations and Presbyterians as well, there's a willingness to ask new questions. A new spiritual awakening is emerging. It's happening and there is new life. She continues, in decline, we experience fear, grief, worry, anxiety, and doubt. But we can move through these experiences to anticipation, excitement, curiosity, hope, and creativity. We just need to find the bridge to help us cross over. And we need to find the people who can help us cross that bridge. We need to surround ourselves with people who can see that the distance between here and there is where hope is, and it's not that far. We need to talk about what is on the other side of that bridge. Redirect people's attention from focusing on decline to the good things that are to come. What, for us, First Presbyterian Church is on the other side of that bridge? We're good at talking about what we're going to leave behind, but when we go forward, what are we taking with us? Our spirituality must have something to do with wonder, love, and the sacred presence of God. We are in a place where we are crossing a bridge. Post-COVID and post-transition of our congregation, we got to let go of fear and grief and worry and doubt. We need to look for the signs of our God who is present. Look at the exciting possibilities of who we might become as a community of faith and offer hope, love, and light in a world that desperately needs it. Let us draw near to others who are like-minded in that hope and love and light. My prayer and hope for us today is that we lean into this ancient story of the Israelites see what they learned in the wilderness, and let us look for signs of God's presence, link arms with others as we see our future, and celebrate what is to come on the other side of that bridge. To God be the glory. Amen.